Hey, everybody, and welcome to The Messy Table, an ordinary space for real women, imperfect stories, and the God who's constantly at work in our mess. I'm your host, Jen Jewell, and back co-hosting with me today is my good friend, Amy Groeschel. And you guys, it's October, so we're wishing you all the cozy blankets and colorful leaves and pumpkin spice, everything that this month has to offer, even though right now it's like 85 degrees where I live, but I'm going to pretend. So whether you're out running errands or you're on your lunch break at work or folding a load of laundry while wrangling kiddos, you're welcome and wanted in this place. If you don't already know, The Messy Table airs a brand new episode every other Tuesday and is partnered with our Life Church Sisters ministry, as well as our favorite, the YouVersion Bible app. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to this podcast in all the usual places and download the Bible app for free. I don't know about you, but the last time I checked, free is awesome. So more than anything, we are all about the Capital C Church, both the local and global body of Christ, united by one name, the name of Jesus. And even though we're all diverse and unique, we believe that we can do infinitely more together than apart. So today, our guest for episode number 40 is the wise and lovely and down-to-earth Lauren Chandler. Lauren is wife to Matt, who pastors the Incredible Village Church in Flower Mound, Texas, as well as a mom to three growing kids, worship leader, horse lover, songwriter, author, It might sound like she does it all, but of course we know she doesn't. Above all, Lauren is a child of God who simply longs to make His name known, which is also our highest goal here at The Messy Table. So nine years ago, Lauren's husband, Matt, was diagnosed with brain cancer and only given a few years to live. So she's sharing what it looked like to face that unexpected storm and the anchor of steadfast love that has not failed. We also chat about how she's finally stopped striving on her own and what it's meant to show up honestly, embracing both the messes and the gifts of this life. Y'all, Amy and I loved this conversation, mainly because we just adore Lauren. So wherever you are, whatever you're going through, pop in those earbuds, pull up a chair, and join us at the messy table. Well, hi, Lauren. Welcome to The Messy Table. Hey, Jen and Amy. Thanks for having me. Ah, Thank you for being here. We're just so honored and honestly thankful for you and Matt, for the Village Church, and just for all the ways God's using you guys to spread the gospel, not only in Texas, but around the world. And we know, we were talking about this earlier, that it's a big world out there, and we truly are on the same team. And we're just, man, we're grateful. Absolutely. And we're so grateful for Life Church and the Messy Table podcast. And just to, like you said, know that we are all in this together and such a great opportunity and an honor for me to get to link arms with you guys, um, even if it's just for a podcast, but just to know, hey, we're in this together. I love it. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Lauren, thank you. Thank you. It's so good to have you. And you're right. Like, this is a moment for us to connect and to visit it about your world and the ministry that God's given you. And so I just admire your family and everything that you and Matt and your children even do that you really are an example to so many believers in your love, your faith, the way that you live your life. Mm -hmm. And um, it's blessed our family personally. It blesses the body of Christ. It blesses Life Church. We all benefit. We benefit from each other, but we're just personally wanting to say we honor you guys and we benefit from Mm -hmm. all that you do. And so thank you. And thank you for your time investing in this today. Yeah. Thank you, Amy. And just want to take a minute to say that I could echo all those words straight back Mm -hmm. to you. So grateful for you and Craig and your family and just getting to watch you even from afar, even though we're only a state away. 
has blessed our family and Craig's ministry has blessed Matt. And so thank you. Thanks for having me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right, Lauren. Well, first things first, we just want to know all about you. So give us a little peek into your world, your family, your life, and what you're all about. Yeah. So I've been married to Matt Chandler, who is the lead pastor of the Village Church in Flower Mound, Texas. And we've been married for 19 years. I was a young bride, so I'm only 38. (laughs) Sweet. But it's been amazing. We have three kids. Audrey is 15. Reed is about to be 13. So I'm about to have two teenagers in the house play for me. (laughs) It's a lot of fun though. I'm loving the teenage years. They're like the best and the worst. I love it. Um, And then we have Nora. Nora uh, is our little uh, dessert. She's she's nine. She's a lot of joy. She's in fourth grade and into all kinds of things. And so um, that's our family. We actually, a couple years ago, moved to um, a more rural part of uh, our area. We have a little slice of land. It's like nothing compared to what other people have. But we feel like we're in the country, but Mm. like Whole Foods is four minutes away. That's what's awesome about it. The best Um, of both worlds. It really is. And then we are are able to keep our horses. So we have two horses, Mm. um, two dogs and a cat and two fish. So we've got, <laughs> we love animals over here. And a partridge um, and a pear tree. Exactly. Exactly. And so we keep, we board our horses basically in our backyard on our neighbor's property. And so um, I can be found out there at least for an hour every day, taking care of the horses or just, you know, doing barn chores. And it's one of the places that really gives me life. Like I love going out there. I love getting dirty. Mm. I don't like having to take showers all the time now, (laughs) like two showers a day because of it. But so that's kind of a slice into our family life. I um, lead worship at our church about once a month. I leave our women's Bible study to I'm involved with If Gathering, uh, another ministry called Sparrow Women. Um, I've written a book and a Bible study, and I'm actually just in February will release a children's book, which I'm super excited about, too. So, yeah, so that's that's me. Or parts of me, you know, not all of me, but <laughs> yeah, that's in a, a little nutshell. intro. In a nutshell. So did you grow up with horses or is this a new thing? No, my grandparents had some on their farm and I always, I, in my heart, I was a horse girl. Mm-hmm. Like I was just going to wear the hat and the jeans and the boots and <laughs> live on a horse. But we just didn't have access where I grew up to that. And then my daughter, my oldest, Audrey, when she turned eight, she asked for horse lessons for her birthday. And so I was like, yes, maybe I can like uh-huh. <laughs> live vicariously through her, but not in a way that's, you know, harmful to her. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, it's like, she's a good excuse to get into horses. And so she started taking lessons. She fell in love. She actually is um, in the high, Texas high school rodeo. Wow. And she's a barrel racer. So, and then our younger daughter, she loves horses too. And then our whole family goes, uh, um, we try to go, if we can, go once a year to Lost Valley Ranch. It's a great ranch in Colorado. It's like a dude ranch where you get to ride horses all day if you want to. It's in this beautiful setting. Mm-hmm. That's kind of our family's dream vacation. We love just going out there, being together, 
riding our horses together. So I, it's been sort of a, a, a new development in our our family's life, but it's given us a lot of life. I'm holding out on Matt's like second profession late in life is a rancher. Yes. And Mm. I get to (laughs) have my lifelong dreams fulfilled anyway, but we'll see. (laughs) Is that the ranch that Jenny Allen's sister owns? Yes. Yes. Wow. So beautiful. Well, you're a true Texan of Texans with the horses and loving the ranch life. We have a little bit of land, too. And I'm a chicken girl. I'm not a horse girl, but I don't have any chickens. You guys, we just got chickens. We did. Oh, I want them. Good for you, Jen. Oh, my word. I don't know, you guys. So (laughs) I feel like for the past, I don't know decade, our goal has been to try to keep things as low maintenance as possible, you know, so that when we're all home together, we can just focus on family time. And then all of a sudden, my husband has just gone into this, the kids need responsibility, which is true. And, you know, they're wanting to sell eggs. And so anyway, just like two weeks ago, we got chickens. (sighs) And so we have nine adult chickens and like 32 baby chicks. I don't know what has happened to us. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, I know that's good because we we haven't had a good luck with chickens and neither have our friends that have had them. Like they got killed. Uh-huh. Yeah. Killed or yeah. sick. They're, they're fragile. They're fragile little guys. But right. But I want chickens. <laughs> That's kind of my next, you know, we have all the pets and now we need chickens. Yes. But I need a Well, I think first. we need a horse so we can just. <laughs> you do need a horse. Mm, right. And you kind of mm-hmm. need two. Just so you know. Okay. They I'll need a buddy. <laughs> and and a mini horse works just fine as a buddy. And they're really cute. And they're like big dogs. Oh, gosh. It's good advice. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. Good there practical go. tips. Here we are. Here we are on the farm. Uh, well, I'm having like some issues over on my side of this listening to you two because this chicken life, I'm really jealous. I seriously, (laughs) I've had to unfollow some of my friends that constantly (laughs) post pictures of their chickens because I get so (laughs) jealous. You're hilarious. I love that. But it's weirdly, strangely true. Anyway, we probably should move on. Nobody wants to hear about my obsession with chickens, but... (laughs) (laughs) I'm enjoying it, but I understand. Okay. Well, so your life, it sounds crazy full. Like how in the world do you do this all with three children involved in the things you're involved in? Sparrow and if and children's books and worship leading. And how do you get it all done? And if you don't, what's the balance in that? And basically, you know, give us some advice on your life rhythms. What have you learned? Yeah, there are two things that I did this year that I feel like have really helped me. Um, One was I signed up for HelloFresh and I get two meals delivered to me every Saturday that they've done all the work for me. I mean, I have to like chop things up and I have to add oil and butter and that kind of stuff. But like but they send you the ingredients. They send you the ingredients. They send you the recipe. Mm-hmm. And so all I have to do is open that little thing up. I allow myself probably 45 minutes to like prepare and cook it. And then we have a meal at home as wow. a family. So I've, and it's amazing. I've seen those and your kids like the food. Yes. They love it. In fact, my uh, Matt just had breakfast with our son, Reed, and he was like saying what he was asking, you know, what are some things that mom and dad are doing? Well, what are some things that you wish they would we would do differently? And one of the things Reed loved was 
the meals that we've been doing at night and he loves HelloFresh. And so it was really encouraging because, you know, some, there have been a couple hit or miss, but for the most part, the kids have loved it because it's been something different. It's not like, well, spaghetti or grilled chicken or, you know, kind of my Mm go-tos. There's something a little different. So it's been super helpful. The other thing for me was I felt like I was kind of letting life live me instead of me living life. And there were just some things that I wanted to set time aside for that I would just wait for the opportunity. And instead, like on my Google calendar, I put Mondays and Wednesdays from nine to noon, I'm going to be doing this. Tuesdays and Thursdays from nine to noon, I'm going to be doing this. Mm. And I can opt out, but I've already like set that time aside Mm -hmm. um, to to not have coffee with someone or, you know, not schedule a meeting right here because I've, I am intentional about that time and I can do Mm, lunches and I can do afternoon coffees because that's what I was, what's happening to me is I would have this long list of people that I wanted to like sit down with and um, get to know or just to get to know better. Mm. But I could fill my entire day and entire week with people like that because Mm -hmm. there are so many amazing people in our community, Mm -hmm. in our church. But I, uh, I wasn't being intentional Mm. with other gifts that the Lord's Mm -hmm. given me and things he's called me to. And also just recognizing, man, I will not be able to meet with everyone. Right. I will have Mm -hmm. to um, set out a time and learn how to say no graciously or not right now, or are you willing to wait three months? Um, Mm -hmm. and, And that's been a huge life hack for me. It's been hard to implement, but I'm so grateful I did um, because I tend to be a a people pleaser and I don't want to disappoint anyone. Yeah, I'm taking notes because I have the same problem (laughs) with with wanting to just, like you said, kind of be there for everyone if I can. Yes, I'm I'm sitting here taking notes, too. I'm like, this is so good. Thank you for the counseling session because (laughs) we don't have to pay a therapist, Amy. It's great. Did you catch that line, Jen? Did you catch it? She said, letting life live me and the nine to 12. That's brilliant. This is so helpful. I hope everybody, if you missed it, rewind and listen to what she said again. (laughs) Thank you. And it's been so helpful for me. And it took me a long time to get there and to see it and to recognize, hey, these blocks of time are accomplishing something, even if it doesn't look like it mm-hmm. from the outside. Mm-hmm. So just trust. And honestly, it's it's real humbling. It's like trusting the Lord that he will get everything done mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. You know, that that he will meet the needs of people that I cannot. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so that it's just been so good for me. That's so good. I've been focusing a lot lately on just trying to understand more about the Sabbath mm. um, and even rest day to day. So obviously Sunday, but also having a Sabbath mentality. And at the end of the day, kind of what you were saying, going, okay, I'm not God. Yeah. And so if I've been wise with my time and I haven't finished what's on my plate, then God clearly didn't plan for it to be there because he doesn't want me up at yeah. you know midnight or 2 a.m. trying to finish something. That doesn't make sense. Exactly. But it's hard to sometimes do that. Oh, yeah. And I think that's where you can have grace for yourself, too, is part of the reason I can do that is because all my kids are in school, you know, from eight to three. And so but there were times when I was part time homeschooling and it was just harder to do or my kids were little. And so I think having grace on yourself, too, in those times that 
there'll be a day soon, sooner than you think that you'll be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. You have to know your season. Definitely. So I'm curious, what marriage or parenting advice might you give your younger self as a new wife and mom? So it might sound kind of weird, but I learned to laugh at your crazy in front of your kids and your husband. So like there are times when I just, for whatever reason, depending on kind of what's going on in the season of my life or the time of the month, I just will act crazy. And um, I think before that, it's like that laughter gives some space to even distance myself from my crazy to be able to look at it and see it not as, oh, I am crazy, like (laughs) to the very core of my identity, but to be like, man, I am acting crazy. And then then it kind of diffuses that with your kids and your husband too. But then I would say, don't leave it there, but but take it back to the Lord and, and dig deep and say, okay, I've now distanced myself from, okay, I'm not trying to defend my crazy now. Mm. I'm, I've laughed at it. <laughs> I've seen it. Lord, yeah. help me get to the bottom of it. Like, mm. what was that? What did that trigger? What am I, am I feeling out of control? Am I feeling powerless? Am I feeling, you know, what is it? Um, I heard someone say that feelings are like children. You don't let them drive, but you also don't put them in the trunk of your car. So mm-hmm. you you put them in the back seat with a seatbelt on, you know. And so <laughs> they are telling you something about what's going on in your heart. And so that's what I would tell myself is learn to laugh at the crazy and then don't leave it there. Um, take it to the Lord and examine your heart That's good. before him and ask him to examine it. Like, what did that hit in me? And where can I come back to? My identity isn't in me acting crazy. My identity is in being a beloved child of God. And am I not believing that in some places? And that's where that crazy is coming out of. Or is mm-hmm. it just that time of the month and I'm just afraid? So. <laughs> right. I just had one of those moments. Oh. And isn't it the worst, though, when your husband will say, oh, hey, it's, oh, then yeah. it makes you more mad. Oh, is, it, yeah. is it that obvious? <laughs> it's getting very real here uh, on the messy <laughs> yeah. table. And I love it. And I love that I, at first I'm like, this is so good saying, just laugh at it. But you took it to another level when you said, don't leave it there. And I think that's where we often get stuck as we leave it there. We mm-hmm. we may get to the laugh it off eventually when we're not feeling crazy anymore. Yeah, but then I'm the ten- I have the tendency to be so overly critical of myself. A lot of us mm-hmm. live in that space. But instead of just staying stuck in self criticism, yes, like go to the Lord, seek out what was going on, what was the fear, what was the trigger, and and that's the money right there. Is um, mm-hmm. we don't have to stay in those patterns. And I've. Yeah, having walked with the Lord long enough, thankfully, I've learned how to jump out of some of those patterns a lot faster. Like I'm in the crazy, and then I, um, I love that just calling it crazy. But I'm in the call it out, calling it, you know, living in it. But then I, I identify it faster. I know, okay, that's just that I feel afraid of whatever, and I, I'm able to to leap out of that crazy and start laughing in in the midst of it instead of having to wait till two days later and go, you wouldn't believe how I acted the other day. So I, I love that. That you shared this, that's going to hit every woman between the eyes mm-hmm. in such a powerful way. So yeah. good stuff. I, I love so. that. 
Yeah, thanks. So a key verse for this podcast was founded on Revelation 12, 11, which talks about how our enemy is conquered and we can be victorious by the blood of Jesus, most mm-hmm. importantly, and by the words of our testimonies. Mm-hmm. So there's tremendous power in speaking out loud what God has done for us, how he's faithfully met us in those trenches, even in the most grueling of circumstances. And we know your family has been there. So yeah. if you would, will you just kind of give us a peek into what life has looked like in some of those overwhelmingly messy times and how God has showed up. Yeah. So um, Thanksgiving 2009, my husband had a grand mal seizure that revealed a a malignant tumor in his uh, right frontal lobe. And a couple weeks after that, he went into surgery to have it removed. And then after that, he went through radiation and chemo. And I mean, he was given two to three years to live when we got, you know, the diagnosis um, back and what type of tumor it was. But that was, that was almost nine years ago. So (laughs) praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He does not work on man's timeline. But that was a really hard season because we, it's really interesting. You know, our church had been growing. It was about uh, we'd been at our church for about six years. It was a little bitty uh, First Baptist Church, and Matt became their pastor. We call it kind of a replant because it was already an existing church, but mm-hmm. there were some things in the DNA of the church that changed drastically when Matt became the pastor and and brought lots of new um, life and new staff members and And so we were six years in, we had been like bursting at the seams in our building. And then I think we're almost seven years actually, which I think is interesting because the Lord tends to Mm. work in sevens. I think Mm -hmm. there's something to that. But um, we were just about to open our new building, which was a renovated grocery store. We're super excited. We're about to kind of have our, you know, we were going to have our very first service times in that new building the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And so for that first Sunday, Matt was out. I mean, honestly, for the first uh, maybe two to three months, he didn't Mm -hmm. preach in this new Mm -hmm. building. And I think it was the Lord saying, hey, I I build the church. Uh, This is my church. This is not Matt Chandler's church. This is my church. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, but Matt had been a picture of health. He probably had been in the best shape of his life right before it all happened. He'd been eating clean, all the things. And so it was devastating at first. And um, it definitely shook any type of false stability in -hmm. our lives, Mm -hmm. in particular for me, because Matt had been a rock. He had been who had looked to for stability. And then the Lord was like, even Matt, Even Matt is human. Even Matt is prone to frailty and weakness because he's human. Mm -hmm. And so it was a trying time. But I will say I am so grateful for that season. And, you know, some might say, well, yeah, you're grateful now because he's still alive. Mm -hmm. But I know that the Lord would provide the grace that I would need to get through whatever it is to get through, even if he hadn't spared Matt's life. Um, I can say that because he gave me the grace to just get through that season with, uh, I had a six-year-old, a four-year-old and a six-month-old. 
Now I did have Man. people helping me, which was oh, so just to see the body of Christ come and be hands to be the body, to be mm. the hands and feet of Jesus, to to just help carry that weight as much as I could, because it, at some point there is there is a weight that only I can carry with the Lord that I've got mm-hmm. to like trust him with um, that no one else can help me with. Right. Um, so yeah, that, that was a major season in our lives. Uh, really, it's kind of like that kind of before the tumor and after the tumor mm-hmm. um, sort of event in our lives mm-hmm. that um, how we kind of categorize life um, right now. So, and on that note, he, you know, nine years cancer free. I mean, he has not had any recurrence since they found the tumor on Thanksgiving Day. Mm. Praise God. So Thanksgiving Day. Yeah. Um, man, so we have the privilege of looking back now and seeing like, wow, look, Matt has been cancer-free for nine years. What yeah. an amazing thing. But I'm sure that day, Thanksgiving Day, is always crazy for everyone. So I'm sure that was a pretty dark and bleak day. And you've mm. described it in your book, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. But I've read it. Um, I actually read it a while back. But I mean, it's just so full of hope in those dark mm. times. But you kind of describe like what you just said. You have young kids. It's Thanksgiving morning. You're trying to get everything ready. And then all of a sudden he just Fell. crashed. Yeah. So what did that day and that week yeah. look like Looked for you? Like it felt a little surreal. Um, I remember calling, you know, when he went down, he had a seizure. I mean, in front of two of our kids, Nora was too little to even know what was happening. I remember calling the ambulance, calling my parents who lived around the corner. They got there around the same time as the ambulance did. And then as they were loading Matt into the back of the ambulance calling or texting this group of women that I'd been, that were my community, we had gone through Bible studies together. We pray for one another through all kinds of stuff and just asking them for prayer. And then I remember just, I don't know why I was looking at my neighbor's house and I was like, Lord, if you call me to be the wife of a man who is only a shadow of who he once was. Um, I trust you. Mm. I trust you. I know that you've got me, you've got him, you've got our kids. You know, I felt that I still felt that pit in my stomach, but Mm -hmm. I, I think it was the gift of God's grace and the gift of faith that he gave me in that moment Mm. to say, I will trust you, um, whatever this looks like. And so you know, got to the hospital. He finally came to, and he was himself and he was asking all these questions about, you know, what happened. And so just kind of sitting in that unknown, I, I ran straight to the Lord. I was like, man, there's nowhere else I can go. Nowhere else I can go. I remember reading a lot in morning and evening, Spurgeon's morning and evening were just Mm -hmm. real dear to me because I just, I don't think I was at a place where I could, I was going to just read, I don't know, a, mm-hmm. a book of, of the Bible For and fun. exegete it. You know, I think I yeah. was like, I need someone who, ha- who has done that, who has done the hard work, um, but that can kind of parcel out some things for me just to hang on to. And, and that the Lord used those little messages morning and evening. And so just feeling my family around me, our church family, they prayed for us. They brought us meals. They blessed our kids. Um, so I, I remember it being heavy and dark, but here's what's mm-hmm. cool. Um, so 
the day after Thanksgiving, it was freezing cold, but my parents came over and put our Christmas lights up for us. And I thought, what a picture of, of God's grace. It's still the, it's still a dark and cold night. Um, Mm -hmm. but there are these little glimpses of light that break through that darkness and that bring warmth and that it won't always be this way. And to see people literally, my, my parents literally putting lights out for us to remind us, Hey, there's hope, there's hope. And even Christmas, the hope of Christmas of, of Christ, God with us, Emmanuel, who will put on flesh, know what it's like to be human and frail, but fully God, <laughs> unlike us, and to to enter our, our scary places mm-hmm. with us and to know that Easter will come and just to know all those things in that moment. Um, so it wasn't perfect. It wasn't, I wasn't riding on a cloud, but I definitely felt held uh, during that time. Wow. This is so powerful that you were able to step into this immediately as it's happening on Thanksgiving with trust. And you said the Lord gave you the grace and the faith and to place that trust in Him. And I I would think that's sort of a theme of the the whole story, just the faithfulness of God. But you said it wasn't perfect. And of course, we we know that, that there's moments of the dark and the scary that the darkness seems to try to overtake any glimpses of the, the hope and the light. What maybe were some of those wrestling questions and issues that you had that made it imperfect that you can encourage somebody that's listening of how you over mm-hmm. how you overcame those those struggles that you wrestled with so i have distinct of two distinct actually three distinct memories they all were at the hospital um when matt was recovering from surgery one i remember going down to like the cafeteria by myself to get food and it was all decorated for Christmas and I was playing all the Christmas music. It sounded so much more sad (laughs) because here Mm -hmm. Christmas was the most, the happiest time of the year, the most wonderful time of the year, you know, and here I'm like, it doesn't feel wonderful right now. And if anything, that just feels like salt in the wound to have all this cheer going on around me when I felt like the whole world should be mourning with me instead. And, Mm -hmm. and that is the reality of life on this side is, you know, there's rejoicing and there's weeping happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I just remember thinking it's not fair. It's not fair. I, I would rather just be blissfully unaware of the hard things that are going on and that my husband could be dying of a tumor, you know? So that was one memory I have. Another memory was right after the surgeon told me and another, um, one of our other lead pastors is kind of a father figure to us. Um, what Matt's prognosis diagnosis and prognosis were, I remember walking out and they really didn't want us to share too much about the diagnosis and prognosis because they wanted Matt to focus on being well. And so I decided I was just going to keep it to myself. I wasn't even going to tell my parents. I wasn't going to tell his parents because I wanted him to know before everyone else. I wanted Matt to know and they didn't want him to know for like a week. And so mm, um, wow. I remember walking out, not able to tell anyone, not 
wanting to tell anyone, but also not able to tell anyone and seeing everybody kind of broken off into couples. So it was like my parents, his parents, our dear friends and thinking they get to have their husbands with them. They get to enjoy their husbands for longer than it seems I will get to. And, and that felt unfair. And I wanted to go back to out being blissfully ignorant. That's what I wanted to do. And then the last one, it was so interesting. There's a little hotel inside the hospital where I was staying and it smelled like our college library. <laughs> and so it brought hmm. back all these memories. And, you know, Matt and I went to college together and I remember being in the library and it reminded me of our college years and just that blissful ignorance of what would come, you know, that I was like, oh, I wish I could go back and not know what was coming for me in this. Mm. And so those are three moments. I remember just, Lord, I would rather not know this hardship. And I think I needed to express that um, because it was true in my heart. And I think when we don't face that, it's still there. And when we don't shine the light on that, then it just grows and festers in that darkness and can really turn into a lot of bitterness. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's good for us to pour our hearts out to the Lord. I think of Hannah in 1 Samuel, where she, she had this familiarity and this holy reverence for the Lord um, that she felt comfortable pouring out her heart and weeping bitterly for a son. And the Lord did not chastise her for that. In fact, he ended up giving her what she asked for. And mm -hmm. that might not always be the case for us. But I, I think we worship a God who can take that and who already knows anyway. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Mm. Lauren, that's so good. Um, so I'm looking at your book and it has a beautiful anchor on the front. Mm. And that's kind of been an ongoing theme for you. And there's a part in your book that talks about dropping anchor. And mm -hmm. it's kind of hinged to the verse in Hebrews 6, 19 through 20. It says, For we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. Mm -hmm. And then I just want to read a little section of something that you wrote. Yeah. You said, what we choose to use as our anchor determines how well we will weather the seasons of life. Mm -hmm. Imagine hoisting a rope tied to a brick over the side of an ocean liner saying, that'll hold. Anyone in her right mind would signal the Coast Guard and be on the next boat back to shore. Mm -hmm. The brick will sink and have the appearance of stability, but the first steady current would sweep it away. I've had my share of faux anchors, things like people, things, talents, abilities, statuses, even good deeds that felt like they would hold without exception. But without exception, each failed me. God has graciously used seasons in the desert, in chains, and folly, and in the storm to expose the weakness of my anchor imposters. He unties the frail rope from the measly brick and replaces it with his hesed chain tied to the anchor of Yahweh, the great I am, the one who will never fail. Mm -hmm. And woo, I'll tell you what, wow. that'll preach. Mm, he's so good. So tell us a little bit more about how this anchor and yeah. steadfast love kind yeah. of inspired you to, yeah. well, just kind of inspired you in the moment and then also inspired you to write the book, Steadfast yeah. Love. So I 
it was funny. I had a friend text me. She's like, have you ever read Psalm 107? This was years ago, mm-hmm. years before, you know, Matt's brain tumor. And I read it and I was like, I know I've read this before, but it just came to life for me. Um, and I could see myself in Psalm 107, which it's a Psalm about the steadfast love of the Lord towards his people. And there are kind of four groups of people, or you could say four, you know, distresses that his people go through. And one is wandering the desert and the other or the wilderness. The other is being in chains. Another is suffering from their own folly. And then the last is the distress of a storm that kind of comes out of nowhere, but is just part of living on the side of heaven. And I could see myself in each of those seasons where I'd known what it was like to to be weary and to be thirsty and to not be able to figure out where to get my thirst quenched and looking in all the wrong places to to mm-hmm. quench my thirst. And I've known what it's like to have chains, to be enslaved to things, people, perfectionism, all I mean, all kinds of stuff and how that utterly paralyzed me and imprisoned me. And then I'd known what it was like to suffer from making foolish choices and for trusting my own wisdom and not the wisdom of the Lord. And then the storm, of course, uh, when I had, before I'd written the book, I had gone through my own set of storms, even before Matt's uh, tumor with some miscarriages and some other, you know, relationships. And so I saw myself in all those places and also saw the Lord with me in the midst of those distresses mm-hmm. and with me by delivering me through them um, and from them. And so, you know, when I think when I was approached to write a book, because I, I, I wanted to write a book, but I didn't know where to start. Most people were like, well, start with like what you've gone through with Matt and I, I get it because that's how people will have a rapport with me. But I'm like, my life and my walk with the Lord didn't begin at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Right. There were all these seasons I'd gone through, all the, those four distresses I'd already gone through um, that were what prepared me for this storm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I wanted to write about that. I wanted to be honest that the distresses that the Lord used to shape me weren't as big from the outside as a brain tumor in my husband. Um, but they were as they were insidious. They were people pleasing and good girl and comparison and anchoring my hope in things that would not hold. So yeah, that's that's why I wanted to write the book, not just to tell my side of the story with Matt, but to talk about this is this is like this is the word of my testimony, and I am mm-hmm. and it I'm covered by the blood of Jesus, mm-hmm. by the blood of the Lamb. Mm-hmm. That's the only way I'm able to make it through this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's important to note too that your foundation, like you're talking about, it's not like it started on that day. Yeah, you know, your foundation was already um, had already been laid, and yeah. it had already been tested, and it had already weathered storms, and it had already weathered the wilderness, and all the different things that you're mentioning. Yeah. And I think that's really important to note because often we look at someone's life and we see this one amazing thing or this one really just ridiculously hard thing, and we just think, man, they've got it figured out. And the mm. truth is, it's daily 
bread day by day of God being able to satisfy your hunger and quench your thirst and, and him pursuing us even whenever we're running away. Yeah. Yeah. And even to just put before people, Hey, it might not be a big thing right now that it it might not look like a big thing right now. It might not look like alcohol addiction. It might not look like, you know, death and suffering. It might be something that's little, but the Lord wants to use that little something Mm -hmm. that's just kind of nagging at you to show you those bricks, you know, to show you that frail rope. And well, I know you mentioned, didn't you check yourself in to celebrate recovery (laughs) kind of on, on the basis of some of this perfectionism and people pleasing and striving. I love that Mm -hmm. because I think so often we focus on, oh man, this person was a drug dealer and then they became a saint. And that's just not the typical story. No, it's not. It's an awesome story. Mm -hmm. And God is in that. He's in so many things, but it's, yeah, it's not everyone's story. It's not. And I celebrate recovery was so good for me. It was so good. This good girl, you know, mm. cause I grew up a good girl to, to say, I cannot, I'm failing. Mm. And the mm-hmm. outside might look good, but the inside is a mess. <laughs> and mm. um, to be able to like sit in front of a small group of women being their pastor's wife too. So mm. these are people <laughs> at the village um, and say, and having to like confess some things that were not pretty mm. and they were not mm. all put together. And I remember fearing that they were going to look at me like I had grown a second head. <laughs> and <laughs> instead, they looked at me like, oh, praise God, she's a normal person. Yes. <laughs> they, they're so thankful. They're relieved because yes. none of us are, are really perfect. And I love that you are saying that you were going after perfectionism and that that puts you in chains because yes. the, you mm-hmm. said like these little things, the comparing, the good girl, the perfectionism, the the things that we might think don't sound so terribly ugly. They're like, well, of course we want to be workaholics and perfectionists and all these things. No, they, they put us in bondage when you're looking for that to be your security and your anchor. And mm-hmm. so I, I hear like you were on a quest for freedom and freedom is only in Jesus. And and I too, Jen, I love that she sat with her friends at church and just obviously she walked into that and did it afraid, but she was Mm -hmm. pursuing, you know, just total Mm -hmm. freedom because in Christ we are, we are called to freedom. So in, Mm -hmm. in this journey of writing the book, I'm curious, did you find more freedom as you were able to put it into words? Yeah. I mean, it was really cool to look back and see how God had remained so faithful to me, you know, despite me. Um, And Hmm, it was just like a (laughs) testimony to his goodness and his faithfulness and to see, Lord, you have delivered me. You have given me more and more freedom. And even the the process of writing the book was another like squeezing some stuff out of me, (laughs) you know, of who am I writing this book for? Am I writing it so it's on a bestsellers list? Mm-hmm. Am I writing it so that I get glowing reviews on Amazon? Mm-hmm. Why am I writing this? And I, I was like, Lord, I'm writing this because you've told me to, and I want to boast in who you are and what you've done. And I want other people to find freedom. And I want other people to not feel alone in this, but that mm-hmm. I've been there, other people have been there, and there's freedom in Jesus for them. And so 
it was good. It was sanctifying, um, but also a, a great practice in, in gratitude too, because I could see all the places the Lord had been faithful. Mm-hmm. So I think that's such a great question that can translate to all of our lives. So why am I parenting? Why am I creating? Why am I ministering? Yes. What's the motive behind it? And I love that you brought up kind of having to fall on the <laughs> fall on your face and, yeah. and confess, God, I'm pursuing perfectionism. Because even just this week, I did the same thing and just cried out to God and said, God, I'm, I truly want to be a perfect parent and I'm not. <laughs> yes. And you know, but I want to get it right. It's one of those things in our lives that, you know, I want to teach my children about Jesus's love. I want them to grow into strong, healthy, respectful adults eventually, yeah. you know, yeah. and so many days are hard. So then I feel the mom guilt, right? Of, oh, I should have done this better or I should have, you know how that goes. And yeah. so even just this week, I had to fall on my knees and say, God, I'm sorry that I'm trying to be God in this situation mm-hmm. instead of just allowing you to be God and pointing this to you and and humbling myself and saying, okay, none of us have it together. Yeah. Only God does. And we have to fall on Him. Yeah, so. that's so interesting. We So um, this month we are having a special kind of night of worship every Sunday night. Um, asking the Lord for clarity and just to come together as a body and and worship Him and pray, pray for healing, pray for breakthrough, pray for the Lord to show us kind of what's next for our church. And on this past Sunday night, uh, I led God, I look to you. And it's so interesting how that song can take on different meanings with Mm -hmm. different seasons of life. So, you know, having two teenagers in my home. I'm like, God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Um, because I cannot see into their hearts. Right. I cannot tell when they're telling me the truth or when they're covering their booties. Mm-hmm. I cannot see their hearts. I don't know what's really going on in their hearts, but God, you do. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to look to you and I'm going to wait on you. And I'm not going to try to micromanage my kids out mm-hmm. of fear. Right. I'm going to, yes, I'm going to parent them well. Yes. I'm going to point to the the gospel over and over again. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but at, at the end of the day, I don't have that much control. And so just, you know, taking that moment uh, Sunday night to sing that song, mm. thinking of, of that, of I cannot do this without you, God. My, in, even in my parenting, I do not, I cannot do it without you. I need you. You will have, you see my kids' hearts. You see what's going on the mm-hmm. inside. I trust you with them. Yep. Yes. That's good. I think that um, looking to him, that is what I see and what I'm hearing from your life story, from the things that you've shared. You have kept your eyes on the author and perfecter of your faith. And and not to say that you've done it perfectly. And we know that yeah. we, and I love that you're so humble and honest to say, in, in spite of me, it's always in spite of us, the Lord's faithfulness, mm. that he's always going before us. And so you lead worship. And, mm-hmm. uh, and not constantly, it sounds like monthly, and then as the Lord provides and leads. And you've even put out a worship album, The, the Narrow Place, that I have a copy of. You sent me it. It's Your voice is gorgeous. The worship is just anointed and blessed. And so what does worshiping the Lord in a corporate setting mm. mean to you? Because as in praise and singing um, compared yeah. to, we know that all of life is do it unto the Lord and uh, we should live as a living sacrifice, worshiping Him. But what does that corporate worship of praise mean in your heart? Yeah. I mean, it's been 
you know, that has been an area of my life where the Lord has done a lot of work and used it because it was a place I was trying to find my identity solely in as a worship leader. Um, so this would be one of those chains places for me and also desert places where the Lord just would let not let me find satisfaction in doing that from a place where I was trying to get, get my identity from that instead of ministering in that place and worshiping out of that place as a beloved child of God. So getting to lead worship, people in worship is has become one of the greatest joys of my life because the Lord is still letting me do it, even though I have done it for the wrong reasons before. And I have, I have hungered after his glory, uh, my glory instead of his. And so I'm just so grateful that the, he even lets me get up on that stage. I mean, it's, it's mind blowing to me, but one of my favorite things to do is to lead people in worship, to just marvel at God's grace towards us, to listen to his voice. So to get to say things to him, to, to mm-hmm. sing things to him and about him, but also to receive that time to hear from him, yes. some things that he's singing over us. And he's saying to us as we praise him and we lift these things up to him. And there's something about music and singing that just saying it out loud just isn't the same. But if we were to sing it, um, there's something about singing that just brands it on our hearts, does this deep work that connects, you know, what our minds know and what our hearts are feeling. And um, it's it's just one of the greatest privileges and joys of my life to get to, in particular at our church with the people that I know, mm-hmm. that I know their stories, I know what they've gone through, I know what they're going through, um, getting to see a woman who I know has gone through a hard time come up to the front and burst into tears and just worship her guts out to the Lord in faith, like in a hard spot and saying, God, I still believe you're good. God, I still believe that you're in control. You know, I believe, help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's yeah. so good. And then when I do get to do it in other spaces, uh, I, it's always such a privilege and a joy. And I, I, one of the places I get to do it that is probably one of my favorites is um, I love leading it if if gathering, because I get to lead with my friend, mm-hmm. Christy Knuckles, who's been just my hero and a mentor. And I love her. So <laughs> getting to like do that with her and alongside her is such a privilege. But also um, Sparrow Women, they have a conference in the spring and we really focus on uh, being peacemakers and reconcilers in particular when it comes to uh, race and ethnicity. Mm. And um, so I get to worship alongside my sisters that Mm. um, their skin color is different than mine and even just their cultures different. And we all come together and we sing these songs that are kind of like just a, a tapestry of all these styles and cultures. And it is one of the most fun places to <laughs> worship because it, there's something unifying about it too, about yeah. singing mm-hmm. songs together. I've even heard that like uh, when you sing together in a group, your heartbeats start aligning, which that's amazing. This is like, it's a scientific thing. Oh wow! And I do think there's something unifying about singing praise and worship to God. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's one of the places I get to see it where it's visually like this tapestry. 
and even sonically, mm. a tapestry that is the heart and very kingdom of God. So I, I love, love that. It. I love it. And just thinking about, you know, in Revelation where we see that yes. people of all colors and types and religion, not religions, I about said religions <laughs> <laughs> and ethnicities yes. and only one religion, they're yes. all surrounded by the throne of God, worshiping him. Yeah. And I love that picture. So I think when we can do that on earth, it's almost like a little slice of heaven. Yes, yes. absolutely. It is. And Lauren, I've sat under your leadership in worship at If Gathering, If Lead. And honestly, I do feel like that as you lead, I can sense it's not about you, that you're truly just mm. trying to point people to Jesus. And I'm grateful for that. And Thank you, um, I would love to know, because we all worship something, right? I yeah. mean, it's interesting how people are just made to worship. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that, if it's not coming out to worship God, it might come out in football stadiums. It might come out in the worship of things or people. But I would love to know what are some things that can distract us from worship? And maybe just as a kind of a practical tip, what can help us prepare our hearts to worship Him? Because I know as we come into worship, oftentimes we are leaving busy schedules and the chaos of what's going on in our lives. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it can be hard to maybe immediately step into a heart of worship. So do you have any tips? I don't know how to dive in. Yeah. What's really cool is kind of the Lord Lord reignited my heart for worship at recovery when I was, I would lead worship for Celebrate Recovery. Mm -hmm. And I knew some people were coming in because they needed to check off like, yeah, I went to a meeting. Some people were (laughs) coming in because they needed to come or they weren't going to make it. It was either go to recovery or go to the bar or go to recovery Mm -hmm. or go to this guy's apartment or whatever it looked like. And so I remember always starting off with just kind of this, I don't know how you came in, but I want you to know you can come right as you are with what you have. And we're going to sing some songs that maybe you're not there yet. And so that's okay. Mm -hmm. You can sit there and you can let it wash over you and you can let us sing that for you, or you can sing it in faith, knowing that God's grace is sufficient, Mm. that that there's a gap right now um, that you are saying, Lord, I need you to fill that gap. It's kind of that, I believe, help my unbelief, or I'm barely believing, help me believe more. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think for people... I think a distraction from worship is to come in thinking you've got to come in put together and ready to go and ready to like clap your hands and stomp your feet or put your arms, <laughs> hands in the air, you know, or sway or whatever. But it's okay to come in and just have to sit in the jest for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you got little kids and you've just wrangled them into their Sunday clothes or you fought with your teenager because, I mean, it's so much to ask them to just wear a pair of jeans to church. <laughs> it's like, you have no idea. I had to wear pantyhose to church and I'm just asking you to wear jeans. Right. Um, no kidding. Anyway, so uh, that's not real life at my house. No, I'm kidding. So, you know, just breathing out for a moment and realizing you don't have to come fake, come honest and then honestly ask the Lord to warm your heart up. Mm -hmm. And, um, in a perfect world, you would have, you know, spent time in the word before you got there. You would have listened to worship music in the car on the way there. (laughs) And that's awesome. Um, just, you know, like, Lord, I want to focus on you. What do you have for me today? What, how, what do you want to show me about yourself today? But the reality is that's not how we always end up coming 
to the corporate gathering, sometimes we we need that buffer and that's okay. And I think when I think the biggest hurdle to it, it distraction is to come in thinking we need to look a certain way mm-hmm. and act a certain way and, and not just be honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so powerful. Don't come fake. Come honest. That's yeah. Good. Come honest. Yeah. That's so important. As you get so many people, as they come in as families, oftentimes they've rushed to get there and they may have had a little argument and just tension Mm -hmm. or strife going on in the car. And it's like, oh, I can't come in and worship. I think worship is so much of it is just that prayer. It's just that back and forth. And you have been Mm. super honest with us in this podcast. And we are so thankful for it and just given us such uh, treasures of, of wisdom and insight. So this is for fun. But What's some of your favorite worship songs right now? Um, oh gosh, what are some? So I'm not, we haven't recorded this, but we have a song called Always Good that our past worship pastors wrote several years ago, but have just been, it's been brought back to life. And anyway, that's been ministering to me. The Did song, you say you're going to record it or no? I hope, I, I think there's plans to, I'm hoping they do. I don't know if I'll be singing it. Probably one of our other worship leaders, Katina, she's from Memphis. She's got this boomy, she's African-American woman, big, boomy, beautiful voice. Mm. And she does a lot of call and response in it about um, God always being good. And but there's one day in his courts and than anywhere else. And anyway, so I cannot wait. So I've got like a rough live record. It's not even that rough. Our sound guys are awesome and they were able to mix it. But I've been just playing that over and over Mm. again. Um, And then I have also loved New Wine by Brooke Frazier has been amazing or Liger Wood. I don't know how to say, I don't know how to say her last name, (laughs) her married last name, Um, but Hillsong. Um, New Wine has been just a beautiful song to listen to. And I've loved the New Hill Song album. I've been listening to that. So just those are kind of the worship songs I've been listening to. I love um, it. What about any yeah. other resources, maybe favorite books or podcasts yeah. or sermons or just something that has meant a lot to you that you would yeah. love to put in the earbuds of our people? Okay. I love Russell Moore's signposts. Um, I think he's really clear and comp- a compassionate voice. I've really loved just listening to him, learning from him, not just learning what he knows, but learning how to love people well and how to interact with our culture compassionately as mm. Christians. And I just love that. Um, I also love my friend Cheryl Scruggs. Her daughter is Lauren Scruggs Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, she has a podcast called Thriving Beyond Belief, and I've really enjoyed listening to that podcast. She has different people on, um, usually women, but she had a man on, oh my gosh, Tandy is his last name. I'm totally, do y'all know who he is? Ed Tandy? Does that sound right? I don't think anyway, so. Anyway, she had him on and he was great. And then I like, there's a podcast by the artist. He, he goes by Sleeping at Last. And I also love his music. It's so good. It's so great. My kids love it. I think it's like sung poetry. Hmm. Um, but he's got like these albums where he's got just instrumentals and one's about the Pacific Ocean. The other one's about the Atlantic. He takes kind of these themes and writes these songs. Sometimes they have words. Sometimes they don't. But they're just real healing 
type songs. He has a podcast too, where he has studied the Enneagram and he's written a song for each Enneagram type. <laughs> and I think he's on type six. Wow. And so it's just really <laughs> fascinating. I have kind of been drawn into the Enneagram thing. I think it's really helpful to understand our shadow selves and also just kind of how God made us and mm-hmm. what makes us tick and mm-hmm. how to kind of not get stuck in that, but to to have the Holy Spirit work in our hearts to grow out of that and to be sanctified and, and grown more into the image of Christ. Um, so anyway, those are some things I've been enjoying. Awesome. Well, I think we're out of time. So yes. <laughs> we would love to hear, even though I would love to keep going, but what is one final word of encouragement that you could leave for us? Something that you're just kind of dying for us to all know. This is something that someone told me and you hear it everywhere. You see it written on cutesy little, you know, items for your home. But it's something that I really, I really believe is true, but to bloom where you're planted, um, Mm -hmm. where God has you right now for this season, no matter what it looks like, um, he's given you everything you need for life and godliness right where you are. And he also knows those things that he's put in your heart, those dreams and desires. And so like, don't neglect those right now because you think, well, I don't want to use them in this way. I want to, I want to use them in that way, in that space. And I want it to look like that. Instead, invest where you are mm. and, and bloom right where he has you. Yeah, that's really good. Yes. Well, we cannot thank you enough. This has been amazing. I've enjoyed everything that you've shared and just our conversation today. Women and men that listen are going to be super blessed. Thank you so Mm. much, Lauren. Thank you, Lauren. You're awesome. Yes. Thanks, Amy and Jen. I so loved just chatting with y'all. Well, if you're like me, you're sad this episode has come to an end. But the good news is I'm linking up all of the resources on my site at jenjewel.com. Be sure and check out Lauren's book and music and all the great resources that come from the Village Church and, of course, from Life Church as well. Friends, the biggest compliment we could ever get is for you to share Lauren's life-giving words with someone who needs it. Text this episode to a friend, share it on social media, tell us what you'd add to the conversation, or feel free to leave a comment for us in iTunes, which means more than you know. And as you go about your week, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, remember, yes, life is messy, but God is at work in the mess.